Hey there, welcome back. This is Let's Face the Facts. This is the podcast where I sit down with an actor or artist friend, watch an episode of the classic sitcom The Facts of Life, and then we talk about it. A lot. Maybe even too much. My name is David Almeida. I'm your host. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and I'm hoping to use this as a platform to introduce many, many incredibly amazing, talented people here in the Central Florida community to the world at large. And if nothing else, I just hope it's a fun conversation that you want to listen in on. My guest this week is Michael Marinaccio. I've known Mike for quite a few years. He's an actor, writer, director, teacher, producer, and he is one of the forces behind the Orlando International Fringe Festival that in the theater community here in Orlando is a very, very big deal. The episode we viewed was season one. Episode four was called IQ. The original air date was September 14th, 1979. That's all for intro, kids. We're going to jump right in on this. Let's go. This is me with Mike Marinaccio. So here I am with Mike Marinaccio. Hi. Hi. How are you? Very good. I'm so thrilled you took the time to be here and do this. Ah, it's my pleasure. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I wanted to preface this by saying when I threw in the DVD, you were like, so what are we watching? <laughs> you just thought you were coming on a podcast. You had no idea there was this structure. Um, I, I'm, you know, I, I, it pays to be able to be... <laughs> Fat, quick on your feet and and jump into whatever situation and, and uh, yes. you know I'm Mike I ain't is, scared he's not scared of no facts of life <laughs> and uh, just a sort of quick travelogue of uh, your life and who you are and everything let me do a little quick like a James Lipton where were you born uh, I was born in Brentwood New York actually Babylon but grew up in Brentwood and so you are a New Yorker uh, Long Island New York Long yeah. I, I, yeah. I get that vibe you're a New yeah Yorker well you know I, I took four yes. years of voice lessons to get rid of the, the Long Island accent uh-huh. but, it uh, still comes out sometimes. it comes out um, yeah. and my Boston please when I get <laughs> when, when I get tired I start talking like this when mm. I get wicked tired um, so uh, when did you move to Orlando? Uh, I moved to Orlando in 1994 mm-hmm. uh, and started going to school at UCF uh, in the theater department there. Oh, okay. Uh, I was in the very first uh, Bachelor of uh, uh, Fine Arts uh, performance I did class. Not know so that they you were didn't UCF they kid. didn't have a BFA uh, until right I started and then uh-huh. it started up and. And yeah. did you have like uh, lofty goals? You're going to go to New York or LA, or did you just think I'm just going to hang out and act and see what work comes my way? You know, I never wanted to go to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, Me neither. I'm, I'm right there with I you. I did move back to New York after college mm-hmm. uh, and uh, spent a lot of time auditioning and a lot of time working, uh, paying off college debts. Uh-huh. You know, you don't typically move to New York City to pay off college <laughs> debts, but uh, but I was able to live. Uh, half the week with my parents on Long Island, and half half the weekend in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to, and working fine dining there, I was able to save money. Um, That's so, good. but I, but even that, you know, my, I was an actor, I was in theater, I loved doing it because I loved doing it. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I wanted to do the work that I wanted to do. I wanted to create uh, great art, and uh, I never really had any aspirations of being famous. Of fame, yeah. That was That's, not something that interested me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't think I know anybody among among all of us in the community that 
I don't think any of us are chasing fame. I, well, I mean, if we were, we'd be in L.A. Yeah, exactly. Or New York, we, right? yeah, I, mean, I had a lot of friends go to L.A. and a lot of friends that are still kind of, you know, yeah. doing it and, chasing. and Botoxing now. And, you know, you're like, man, I don't know how you did that for any amount of time. But uh, I, I, I mean, for, for, for a lot of actors, auditioning is the job. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and and that I never re I never really liked no. uh, that part of it. And most and, don't. And, and Even, I never. But I just yeah. I just I just kind of felt like, why am I gonna sit here and you know waste my whole day standing in line, five hundred people cattle calls or mm-hmm. or or this book look crap that they could just kind of look at my picture and tell me whether you want me or yeah. not. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's stuff a horrible that required process. Very little talent. You know, why not just create the theater that I want to create and do mm-hmm. it on my own terms? And so, so that's what I did. I started producing and directing and creating my own work. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, that's about when I became aware of you mm-hmm. as far as in town with all of that. Our paths collided at Sloot's Mystery Dinner Theaters. Yes, they sure did. Theater. They sure Singular, did. Singular, not plural. It's only one. Multiple theaters, same <laughs> complex. I'm still there. I still work there to this day. I worked there for six years. Is, was it really that long? Mm-hmm. I've been there off and on for 21. Wow. Off and on. Not 21 continuous years. But yeah, I can't believe it was that long. Yeah, and did you direct years. it? Remind me. Did you direct at Sleuths? I did not direct at Sleuths. Okay. I waited tables at Sleuths for a little while, but then oh. they didn't like me doing that because I made more money than the actors. Oh. Yeah. They, they were like, no. Yeah. But... Um, and I was like, whoa, how am I being punished for being a <laughs> yeah, good actor? That's... I wanted to do some more, uh, the, the serving jobs there were great, but, yeah. um, and I, but I really enjoy my time as an actor at Sleuths and, mm-hmm. and it's I got to work place. with the best people in town I, yes. and, and, and just some ridiculous fun out there. I yeah, mean, it was, we yeah. premiered a show together we we were both in the opening cast, weren't we, for Holidays in Hillendale? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. As far as that goes, we got to workshop a show. I with, remember that one. With your friend mm-hmm. and frequent collaborator, Christian Kelty. That's right. We need to get him on this show. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And then fast forward through the VHS tape of Mike Marinaccio's life, and he is the, oh, God help me, uh, produ- artistic producer. What's your title? Technically, my title is festival producer. But festival I, I producer. Am, I am essentially the artistic director of, of the Orlando, Orlando Fringe. International Fringe Festival. That's correct. Which is not just a big deal in Florida. It is the oldest fringe in festival States. in the United States. Mm-hmm. There have been others that started before it, but they are still. They're not still around. That's correct. This one has been continuously growing, and it is the astounding amount of growth that we have seen since you took over. And the, the best part is I frequently will host out-of-town guests. We, mm-hmm. That's typically the, the one time a year you and I talk is when you're like, oh, right, right. Hey, hey, do you still have a spare room? <laughs> uh, but when I host out-of-town guests from you know England, Canada, other places, it is so nice hearing how uh, well thought of Orlando is and how well the fringe is I mean, well, I mean, you see all the applications you get. It is, it is in demand. The other, the people from other places want to come here. Yeah, last year we had over three hundred applications uh, for about a hundred festival managed spots. Yeah. Uh, so basically, you had a one in three chance getting in, and and um, uh, yeah, traveling across Canada. I've spent the whole summer tra- touring. 
with a show as an artist and create yeah. created a show I created with my uh, partner. But we um, toured everywhere and and all over mm-hmm. uh, North America. People know. Orlando Fringe. Yeah, and I'm sure when you show up, and you're, it's oh, he's the guy. I'm sure yeah. there's a little bit of fame that kind of follows you a little bit. Yeah, you it's hard for me to get through a night without actually doing any work for yeah. Orlando Fringe <laughs> in terms <laughs> of people asking me questions about it and yeah. want um, to apply. And I think yeah. the biggest uh, issue that we have uh, still is just uh, the issue with the United States is is immigration mm. policy and mm. and the fact that they don't make it easy for artists. So artists have to. Uh, go through, jump through a lot of hoops and spend a lot of money to get here. And it yeah. really is, uh, like, I'd love to be able to bring in artists from from Africa and from, uh, you know, Everywhere. Europe, Asia. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. you know, I mean, we do get some. Uh, Europe's yeah. not too bad. UK and, and, and Canada, pretty much, uh, and Australia mm-hmm. are pretty much the majority of them. But a lot of those folks have... Uh, dual citizenship have uh, visas here. It's a lot harder for yeah. uh, someone outside of that Asia well, and and Africa and South America and sure. Yeah. Well, the Orlando Fringe Festival is my favorite time of year. It's like that is Christmas for the Orlando theater community because if you're not involved in a show, and I've done probably a, like ten, probably ten shows in some capacity. I've produced four. I would totally and worked closely mm-hmm. with you in those uh, in those regards, and it is it is like Christmas because it is this big explosion of theater. And if you're not in something or part of something, you know at least ten people, because the the Orlando community is big, but it's small. It's mm-hmm. that thing where. Most people, and it's same similarly in the theme parks, if I meet people or you mention a name, I'll be like, ah, I know the name, but I've not met them, and frequently they'll say the same about me. Sure. Uh, and so it's a, it's a great fun time. Orlando International Fringe Festival, and it is, what is your website? OrlandoFringe.org? OrlandoFringe.org, yes. Okay, that's it. And another just quick plug before we jump into the show here is that the show you've been touring with is Josephine, this amazing uh, biographical dramatization of the life of Josephine Baker, mm-hmm. starring the amazing Tamisha Harris. Yeah. Oh, Lord, she is incredible. Uh, I'm biased, but I agree. Because <laughs> um, she's your lady. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, we created this play, this, this with piece Todd of Kimbrough, with Todd Kimbrough, correct? Yeah. Um, I, I really wanted Tamisha to have a vehicle where she could uh, showcase all of her mm. talents, her dancing, singing, and acting. Yeah. Um, and have something that she could really sink her teeth into. The story of Josephine Baker, just a remarkable life. Yes. Um, and so we started researching, and I started kind of building a structure for the play, and then I brought Todd in to help us write and fill out and flesh out this yeah. this piece. And then we handed it off to Tamisha and started, um, uh, and just sort of without very much rehearsal at all, opened in San oh. Diego and 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 it, we had no idea what we had she was having trouble remembering her lines we had all these costume changes that had not <laughs> been worked out um i mean we had basically 2 weeks after Orlando Fringe to get ready for San Diego Fringe having never done the show before and because you were then um, producing pull. a festival at the time, you were right, and she was busy. and she was doing her regular Varieties three or four shows with, yeah, at the fringe, yeah. Um, and then uh, the Pulse tragedy happened, oh. and so our entire lives just got just kind of put on hold here. Yeah. And then we 
kind of woke up from that and said, oh, we have to leave in a week and do, do a yeah. show that we haven't really rehearsed. Uh, and so it was kind of crazy and a, a real whirlwind going uh, and and debuting the show, but audiences it's, loved it. it they has just grown started up quite to lovely. yeah. I mean, uh, we kind of knew by the end of San Diego Fringe, we won a Best of Fest there and a mm-hmm. Best Outstanding Solo Performer. Uh, that 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 we were uh, on track to to re- that we had something really special. Yeah, and it so is. does that have a website or JosephineThePlay dot com? JosephineThePlay Yep. Find out if it's coming to a city near you. Mm-hmm. So. The Facts of Life. <laughs> Season 1, Episode 4, The Thing You Had No Idea You Were Coming Here to See. I this... took the good, I took the bad, <laughs> yes. I took them both, and there I there had it. There it is. There we had it. There it is. And, uh, yeah. well, and how much of it was good and how much of it was bad, that is what we will be exploring in, yes. our, in our conversation now. The episode is called IQ. It, um, it broadcast, I think, September... I usually talk about this in the preview. It's anyhow, it was September of 1979 is mm. when it first broadcast. So mm-hmm. as we're just about to get into it, um, when you sat down, you went, oh, this show, I've probably seen it. So right. tell me, did you grow up with a lot of TV? Was this part of the TV you grew up with? Absolutely. I grew up with uh, a lot of TV and uh, different strokes, facts of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of my wheelhouse. Yeah, it. you yep. know what I mean? Um uh, I, I, I definitely was more of a coming to facts of life after um, the first season when we had you yes. know the the, the, the the what would become the regular cast <clears throat> of it uh, yeah. and so um, I I've, I've watched these but I've watched all these uh, first season ones in rerun yeah uh, and so and I'm not as familiar or as much of a fan, I think. <laughs> uh, and this episode really pointed out some of the reasons why, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it was, this was a half season. This was only uh-huh. 13 episodes. Thank God. It was like a Band-Aid <laughs> ripping it off quickly. And literally, the second season, the only reason it went on for a second season was the network was in such a, it was so beyond in the shithole with yeah. its ratings behind ABC and CBS they were literally like, well, it will cost us less money to try and fix a show we already have up and running than to try and find and develop a new show. That is the only reason it got season two. And they, man, when they fixed it, they fixed it right. They really, really did. I mean, um, yeah, they... Uh, anyway, let's not talk about that season. Let's yeah. talk about this show. <laughs> let's, yeah, not this the good episode. season. Let's talk about this one that we watch. <laughs> this episode is called IQ, and it starts off... We're just going to... Qu- oh, oh. Each episode, I ask my guest, mm-hmm. Michael Marinaccio, yes. in two or three sentences, please synopsize the entire episode, like if it were a TV guide entry or something like that. Uh, I can, I can, uh, you sure, okay, so... Um, <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, but go! No, um, the writers of this episode had very low IQs and therefore hate <laughs> IQ tests and yes. want to make them meaningless. Yes, exactly. There it is. That is exactly That's the my plot synopsis. of this show. <laughs> um, we will, we'll talk about IQ tests in just a moment. Um, so going through the plot of it, we start off in the girls' dorm. That's where most of the show takes place. Mm-hmm. And uh, we start off with Mr. Bradley. Girls, study. We've got to buckle down and study because midterm exams are coming up. So that's pretty much what's going on, the girls are being told, and through the course of studying, uh, Nancy, she is the uh, one with the dark hair, mm-hmm. 
she is like, where is Sue Ann? I need Sue Ann's help to study. And they're like, oh, Nancy, you're so dependent on Sue Ann. And she's like, well, Sue Ann is the smartest girl in school. That's right. why. Right, of course. Yeah. And then Mrs. Garrett comes in. And she's learning how to fly an airplane. I know. In that silver jacket with, I don't know what it was. It looked like the Ugandan flag and stripes on her sleeve. I mean, that was awesome. What was and she wore Like, she brought, it, it the, came back the in the end, episode. too. Yeah, she could just the get, she would episode. not take off the, it was that like, silver jacket. She never did. And it's like, this is 79, so maybe they were making Xanadu at the time. You feel it's like. totally You Xanadu. feel like one of the art designers yes. went, wait a minute. Silver jacket. I'm, I'm having a moment here. So she shows up with this thing. It's going to come into play later as a plot device, Mm -hmm. but uh, interesting how to learn how to fly an airplane is not a small feat or a small task, and it's certainly not a skill that one acquires and then abandons through eight subsequent seasons of a situation comedy. Yet in my memory, and I I may be eating these words as I'm living through these, I don't recall her ever talking about flying a plane Ever again. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, that, me neither. I'm um, pretty sure she I am, doesn't. I will be, I, I will absolutely I'm not admit a fact a life of file, but if I I'm wrong. will say that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, that's, that's not, likely. I've never seen Mrs. Garrett fly no. a plane. And um, uh, so Miss Mahoney comes in with a letter from Mr. Bradley. And so oh, this was delivered to me in, in error. Pause one moment. Every episode we have to discuss Miss Mahoney's hair. Mm. Episode three, she had a serious frizz problem. It was. It's better under control here. It is. I mean, it's still kind of a poodle puff. I mean, she's got the poodle puff happening. You know she's looking in the mirror going, I just want to look like Barbara Streisand in the main event. You know, (laughs) I wish. How do I get Ryan O'Neill to be my lover? But so um, it, was, it was even frizzier in episode three, Oh, huh? episode three, oh, wow. it's, it's problematic. It is distractingly bad. <laughs> um, so we've got that going on. Anyway, she brings in a thing, and Mr. Bradley says it is their IQ score. Somehow somebody has culled all the IQ scores of all the girls in the school. Which I, I don't believe that... Schools were really doing IQ scores regularly with um, kids. I don't know I, that that was a thing. I don't remember doing it. I remember taking lots of tests, and then I remember testing for gifted and all yeah. of that stuff. But I, I, I don't remember an actual IQ test. Um, I do. You and did? I, I was in the gifted kids program, and I remember taking the test, and I scored high enough that I... It did get into it, so it was a special program from the fourth grade to the eighth grade, mm. and then we got to high school. We just went into advanced classes. Okay, uh, this is in Brockton, Massachusetts, right? And um, so I do remember taking a, a test of some sorts, and it was partially written. It was like I remember it was like one of the teacher's aides, and he had stuff on paper that he was kind of guiding me through, at least I think. I might be, you know, piecing together multiple memories here, but we're we're already this is good though. We're already digressing from the plot here, but let's let's start, let's talk more about IQ scores so we can continue with how ridiculous they are treated, how ridiculously they are treated through this episode. IQ scores are, from what I understand, they are not a gauge of how smart you are. They are a gauge of your problem solving skills. Is that it? Is that like a? Yeah, it's it's a gauge of how smart you can be. It's you know it doesn't. Got you. 
it doesn't reflect necessarily in knowledge your grades or in knowledge. It's not knowledge. No, no, it's, no, no, no. It's not because, yeah. I, and the questions they ask, I mean, I really are. Those cannot be real IQ uh, no, questions. No, absolutely not. I, absolutely I not. mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But the one thing is that. Um, at no point in this episode where the IQ scores are very important mm-hmm. and cause a lot of drama, at no point does anybody say, stop using the words smart and dumb. That's not what this measures. Right. That's, that is literally right. the problem with this episode is that right. this is a, you know, you can have a kid with an IQ of 120 who has no access to a decent education. You're mm-hmm. not going to get the same results from a kid who has an IQ of 95, whose parents are attorneys and can afford to send him to a private school. Right. You will get very differing results. And um, I'm pretty sure that hasn't changed since I was a kid. But the deal is um, the IQ scores are brought in. They're on a piece of paper. Mr. Bradley has them for all the girls. And they get carelessly left enter, behind. No, it's enter plot device. 2D on roller oh, skates. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Whenever you right, need right. something to get knocked over, <laughs> enter 2D on, 2D on the skates. roller skates. I mean, it's, it is, it is yes. facts 2D, of life 101. 2D on the roller skates. And uh, I did point out to Mike at one point during this, 2D is shorter than Mrs. Garrett on her roller skates. I think Charlotte Ray is, I don't think Charlotte Ray is five foot tall. Oh, she's, she's tiny. Like, yeah. She's tiny. And... Kim well, Fields Kim is Fields playing. Was a baby. She was ten, That's and she's playing, playing twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the reasons why the skates are there is not—it's not a black thing. It's not a racist thing. It's because they are literally—we want her for this too show. Too small. <laughs> she's literally too small to put her next to a six—a sixteen-year-old like Lisa Welchel, who looks like a—I mean, you could put Lisa Welchel on a show. For as 25, and she would pass. Right. Not because she looks old, just because she's so mature looking. Mm-hmm. And, and the talent is so clearly there. We see clearly the varying levels of talent. Yeah, in show as I mean, yeah, you can, you can kind of see why some of them were yeah. uh, carried on to the next season and some were not. Yeah, this, is a, this show is a, is a very good audition tape yeah. for season two, if you look at it. So we come into the girls' bedroom. Next scene... The girls are studying. Oh, we've got to, we've got to know things. What's the Louisiana purchase? Well, Sue Ann happens to know the exact date and how Everything. much we paid for it. And of course. Because Sue Ann's the smart one. Right. Have we set that up enough? And then in comes Tootie. I know something you don't know. I have a secret. She lets the cat out of the bag. The girls all see their scores. And it turns out Sue Ann has the lowest score. Of course, and Nancy, Nancy has the highest. What? That's crazy. What? And <laughs> the thing is, the other funny thing is that at no point do they ever say what the scores are. So that's where you also get a sense that the writers didn't know. Because an IQ score, it's literally a gauge of 100. It's... Right. Um, it's... Uh, I, I have... The, the words are in my head and they won't come loose. It's like... Uh, potential age or I got to look this up. I'll put it on the website, but it's like a fraction of your, it's like your actual age versus your something. Anyway, the idea is that if it comes out to be 100, most people are are hovering around 100, right? An average IQ and average, a person of average intelligence is a hundred. 
a person who is very smart can get up into the hundreds and the hundred and I think, you know, there are categories where you get genius. You have to have right, over one and whatever. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. then that's where I think the term, the clinical term idiot comes from if it's lower IQ and stuff like that. Anyway, at no point do they reveal the numbers. All we know is that there is uh, suddenly a seismic shift in the intelligent dynamic of suddenly, oh, Nancy, you're the one with the highest score. So we're all going to come to you for the answers. Every girl comes to them, yes, of course. And I also want to note, this is episode four. Episode three was the first time we heard Tootie say, we're in trouble. Mm. If you remember that, that was her, Mm -hmm. what you Mm -hmm. talking about, Willis. Right, sure. She never says it in this episode. And if there was ever an episode where Tootie was in trouble, so they maybe hadn't quite latched onto it. Maybe they hadn't broadcast it and realized people responded to it. Mm. But um, just interesting of note. Uh, But it ends up with Sue Ann being all upset and storming out. And we're talking... Daytime Emmy losing that was, after school special. That was the performance of a lifetime. I mean, yeah. it was so dramatic. And by lifetime, I, I mean the worst <laughs> lifetime the worst TV lifetime movie, movie you could ever, ever see. It was Holy, so yeah, wow. It's it is she it is, is shocking whew. that that actor made it that far. Mm-hmm. And I will, made it onto. Uh, I mean, it was yeah. She is n- really not very good. And and the one playing, and I can't think of, I should know their names off the top of my head, the one that plays uh, Sue Ann. Um, But the one who is Nancy, the dark-haired one, Uh Julie Pekarski, she was the first one hired. She Mm. was, of all the girls, they were like, she, that we're building the show around her. Well, and 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 okay, so that makes a little sense, because I was kind of looking at, like, archetypes with this original cast mm-hmm. like who's the archetype for what right yeah. sue ann's the smart one blair is the vain one yeah judy is the nosy one yeah you know the natalie's baby, yeah. the funny one yeah whatever yeah so so you you know you have that and and i i could not figure out what i'm trying yeah what is nancy's <clears throat> what is archetype nancy? what yeah. is it what is she she's just but i guess because they foresaw the show being centered around her yeah. Or something, and, right? And in that documentaries, makes sense. she was like, apparently like the first script she was sent, she was the star of the show. And then she came back to, oh, I'm a member of an ensemble. How curious. So, yeah, I don't know the exact specifics, but it sounds like she, you know, was the victim of, you know, the evolution of the show. And, you know, and again, you watch this and you're, and as, as I've watched these episodes, Clearly, Lisa Welchel, clearly Kim Fields. The yeah. two of them are mm-hmm. such standouts, even in this episode. Absolutely. And um, Mindy Cohn comes into her own. She's still very, very green here. <laughs> yeah, but she's adorable and she's funny and, and she's and endearing. And wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you consider she's never acted before, she is no worse than these, you know, the Nancys and the Sue Anns who are veteran teen performers who showed up with a resume. Right. Well, I mean, I will it's say, like, I will say Nancy, the, the, the actor played that plays Nancy, Julie Pekarski, uh, Julie yes. Pekarski was, it's the, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't find her to be Not a necessarily bad, bad, a yeah. bad actor. Though the one playing Sue Ann, Go ahead and ask Nancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the smart one. Yeah. Don't you understand like, it? I'm a stupid one now. I'm yeah. a dumb one now. It was, I mean, so bad. 
Yep. So, so bad. I'm sorry. I am wrong. Julianne Pekarski is the one that plays Sue Ann. I should okay, know so this. Okay, so Julianne Pekarski is... Julianne Pekarski is now, Sue Ann. is she the one that the show was built around? Or was it, no, was it Nancy? was it was Nancy who is Felice... Bah, Felice Schachter. It's a unfortunate... Felice Schachter. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. I know people... I know my twos of fans listening are screaming <laughs> their heads off right now. Anyway, yeah. We have... Bad, like be below community theater level. Don't you understand? It's because I'm the stupid one now. And then yeah. running out, yeah, yeah. it's, it's oh, yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 bad. The, the big dramatic turn flips. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. So our next scene is Mrs. Garrett preparing for her flying lessons. And Mike, why don't you explain what she is doing? How is she preparing for her flying lessons? By running around her room with her arms out. Uh, <laughs> apparently, that's what you do in a green dress. You run around yeah. and you, you make an airplane sounds with your arms out. And then when Sue yeah. Ann walks in, she runs into her. I'm, I'm going to do that and then I'm going to go out And to, then you're ready to, to go. Out to Embry-Riddle yeah. in Daytona and off we go. You're We're good to go. Air. Then you're ready to fly. Um, yeah. So and we, then and then and then Sue Ann comes in mm-hmm. and Miss Garrett gives her a heart to heart talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've I will say this. I've said this before. I'll say it many times again. Charlotte Ray's um, Charlotte Ray's comedic choices. I'm not always feeling, but. When it comes to the way she delivered the line at the end of the episode, oh, are we going too fast for you? And the pucker of the lips and the big batting of the eyes. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lot of... It's like the mugging comes before the joke. Yet, I still will go to my grave saying nothing beats Charlotte Ray in motherly, nurturing... Gent- oh, Sue Ann, when she lowers her voice, mm-hmm. the warmth of her isn't... You, you get in those moments. This is what... We're building the show around. This is what is really at the heart of it. Yeah, you can kind of see the evolution of the Mrs. Garrett character. Uh, Mm -hmm. Different strokes. You have uh, uh, definitely more the wisecracking. Wisecracking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This is kind of the wisecracking, but starting to get more of that motherly. And you can actually see from uh, Mr. Bradley and uh, Frizzhead. Miss Mahone. That... that 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 those two characters are just right now other parts of Mrs. Garrett that are going to become Bingo. part of that character. Exactly. So so she as as the show progresses, she absorbs those two energies yeah. and those two characters. Yeah. And 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 is the the maternal, uh, paternal, and wise. She's got she kind of brings it all together. I mean, Charlotte Ray, uh, just a fantastic comedian her whole life. And yeah, I, I mean. I, I thought that they built this show around her. I mean, obviously, she was a, a, a an integral part of. Oh yeah, yeah. It, but, but I mean, it's uh, when I say built the show around for for Felice, it's just I believe she was. I think she didn't realize she was going to get lost among a right. bevy of seven girls. Right. And it's like. Including you know, Molly Ringwald. Ringwald. Whatever happened to her? I know, right? And Molly Ringwald with her Dorothy Hamill wedge. Remember that? <laughs> you, you might be. You're younger than I am. You might not remember that. You might. Oh be no, I remember. I remember Dorothy. Um, but the deal is, um, so uh, Mrs. Garrett tries to do again these these the generic 
bit of that. Oh, those test scores, they don't mean a thing. Right. It's like, well, no, they do mean something, but they mean something different. You know, right. it, that's, that's very hollow advice to give in spite of the delivery. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 they do mean something, but it doesn't mean what you think it means. And, right. and, and I would really have loved it if an adult somewhere had pointed wow. that but out. If somebody had identified that, we wouldn't have gotten the, 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 the final tra- test scene. Oh, that's, the, that's oh, we, where the, we're, we're about you know, to. The, 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 the pivotal moment of the, the that's episode. where the comedy gold starts I being I mean, spun. come on, Mr. Bradley. Okay. So, um, moving along, Nancy, uh, while Mrs. Garrett is comforting Sue Ann, Nancy is being affronted by the girls who are all coming to her for advice because now she's the smart one and she can't take the pressure. She can't handle it. I'm not it. smart. I don't know the things that girls are asking of me and, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. So, that's, uh, that is Nancy's problem with this. So then we get the two of them together and things start boiling over. Nancy and Sue Ann mm-hmm. together are starting to fight and snap at each other because of the issue of uh, Sue Ann is upset because she's the dumb one and Nancy's upset because she's the smart one. And Why can't we change places with each other? I know, exactly. I would totally change places with I you. I would do anything to change places too. Why can't it be like before? Right. Um, so that's where it happens. And then <laughs> Mrs. Uh, Blair pops in with a thing about worry lines and uh-huh. gives herself a look in, a, in the comedy. mirror. And Good you're like, Blair Warner, yep. Blair mm-hmm. Warner, you are going to live on forever well, in the pantheon of American television. You know what I like about the early Blair, too, is, um, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a young Straight boy, keep, I keep liked, talking, I liked talking. her a lot. But I also, um, I really liked that she's a lot nicer in these early episodes, you know? Uh, when, when you get into the next wave of it, she becomes much more uh, materialistic and money-driven, whereas in this one, it's more about the, 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 the narcissism and, and the, the, you know, her, her wanting to look, her... her Falling back on her looks and and everything being about how good looking she is, mm-hmm. um, but you know I'm she's a much to... nicer character. Uh, she is. There it is. I'm sorry. These little pings and chirps in the background. It's like That's I've right. silenced my devices, <laughs> but they they're fighting me on it. Um, yes, they they do, and particularly when Joe arrives, the playing up the the rich girl poor girl thing. Right. It really brings out. But with Blair, they never ever. Stray from underneath it, she's nice. Underneath it all, mm. yeah, she yeah, has yeah. articles. She still There's, finds, yeah, they still find that at the. She's not the, a yep. Sue mm-hmm. Sylvester, where right, right, right. you watch Sue Sylvester and you're like, there are no redeeming qualities about you as a right. character. You, you have said such horrific, monstrous things directly to the face of Will Schuster. Right. And yet the TV show, yet Glee seems to think that we can somehow forgive her when we see her being nice with her mentally challenged sister. And it's like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Sue Sylvester is a monster, and I, I will <laughs> never, ever sign off on her being the, the, the bitch with the heart of gold. Nope. I mean, but there were times in, um, you know, in, in Facts of Life where Blair, like, is just just flat out evil, man. Yeah, I mean, I she, mean. yeah. There, there are times that she is the aggressor. There are times that she... She is the instigator. There's the mm-hmm. word. 
There are times when Blair's the instigator, but, you know, underneath it all, and as the show evolves and as the character evolves, it's like... The antagonist we, to, to Joe's protagonist, yes. Yeah, agreed, yes. Yes. But, but you know, Joe's... Joe keeps up and Joe does... You know, that's true. Joe insults that's her true. too. It's like it's it's. I think that's they're so well suited and well matched. That's right. why that's why the season that we're not talking about now <laughs> is the season that we're talking about now. Um, well, I mean, where are you going to get it here? You're not going to get it from Cindy. <laughs> what does she even do? I know she uh, except run around with pigtails and a Cindy. hat on. She's oh, the tomboy. She's the tomboy. The tomboy right? Yeah, and in in season one, episode one, she is labeled as strange because she. Is affectionate towards girls and mm-hmm. yeah, oh, yeah, we, yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, at least you know, good, good on facts <laughs> of life. Good on facts Spoken of life. Spoken like a true straight guy. Yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> no, I no. mean, good on facts <laughs> of life for at least trying to like. Yeah, get an issue in there. Yeah. But um, anyway, so the deal is, yeah, Cindy definitely is supposed to be the tomboy. I am going to point out that this show having at its core the relationship between Nancy and Sue Ann, mm-hmm. there is a later episode coming up where it is Sue Ann and Cindy who are labeled the best friends and now you're fighting and you two used to be so close. And so there's another episode where suddenly gotcha. these two girls are best friends and not yeah. the others. It plays, it, there's just, there is so much, they're, supporting evidence for how unfocused this season is. Yeah, they, they're trying to do way they're too much. And just throwing shit on a wall, see what sticks. I mean, yeah, it, you can definitely feel that from this. Yep, it's true. Um, so, act, the, the commercial, technically there's only one, what I'm gathering is there's one commercial break in these shows. The way they're structured is mm. it's the first act, commercial break, and then the second act. So, act one ends with we are leaving East Lind. Oh, it, isn't that after the... Did we get the midterms yet? The midterm results yet? No. Okay, okay. No, no, no. There we oh, wait did. a minute, wait a minute. No, no. Oh, you're totally right. That's right. Miss Mahoney comes in. Right, because right after that, like Blair leaves and then Miss Mahoney comes in, and or when Miss Garrett comes back, Miss Mahoney comes in, they have the midterm results. Midterm results. And then they find out that and they, they both out, flunked. They both flunked. Yes. We're Nancy, too dumb to be at Eastland. Yeah, so Nancy, who was never a good test taker, didn't do well, and Sue Ann under the stress of being told that she's not the smartest girl anymore, buckles under the pressure, and both of them fail. Mm-hmm. And they're, they say, well, maybe you'll do better next time. And what is the response? There won't be a next time. <laughs> End of act. Commercial. Mm-hmm. Then we come back from commercial. 2D's punishment for having revealed the scores is she has to write, I will not be nosy a thousand times Yes, she's right. I shall the not be nosy, but she's putting the ditto marks. She is the original Bart Simpson here. She. Oh my God! I never thought of that. Oh You're yeah. Right. Oh yeah. There she You're is. Right. That's that's where the Simpsons got this, it from. Totally. totally. And she is singing to to call into question the age of the writers of the people writing for teenage and tween age girls. <laughs> she's singing toot toot tootie goodbye. Right. Toot toot toot. Uh, which is yeah, toot toot tootsie is like uh, Jolson. Al Jolson. That's exactly. A Jolson that's from a the that's 20s. a that's a that's a guy in blackface. You know. That's what that song is. That. Oh shit. She's singing the song shit. of a guy in blackface. No, I totally forgot. I was just oh, thinking yeah. about how old, Oh no. Yeah, no. That yep. Damn. Oh yeah, Jolson in wow. blackface singing toot toot tootsie. That that's is maybe thing. the most racist thing that's you've seen on the show. That's a real thing, man. Fuck. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so either they had just no idea. Yeah. 
or it was or just a, they are the most fucked up racist dudes ever. <laughs> well, she's singing to Tootie. The song is Tootsie. The song is Toot Toot Tootsie Goodbye. Right. But she's singing Toot Toot Tootie. So someone is like, oh, isn't that a fun word play on right, her name? Right, they right, probably right. didn't uh, they don't, they, think they're, it through. They're, as we established, yeah. the writer's IQs were not very high. Yeah, and uh, exactly, which is why they hate <laughs> IQ scores. So Mrs. Garrett, <laughs> and this has happened in before, brings the girls in to find Mr. Bradley. The girls mm-hmm. are upset, and they're saying they're going to quit Eastland. So we're going to come to the clueless, bumbling male authority figure who right. doesn't really ever quite accomplish anything, but mm-hmm. we're going to turn to him to be the one that solves the problem. Right. And, spoiler alert, he doesn't solve it. Oh, Not but directly. he does. He does it his Not own directly. buffoonery way. Yes. <laughs> so um, one of the tactics somebody brings up is, does Mr. Bradley know? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Mr. Bradley starts with the, well, IQ scores are important. They can tell us. And if you have a low IQ score, that will be the thing that motivates you to work harder. Like he thinks that they have a, a, a motivational um, component that can right. be advantageous. And I'm going to point out that in the three episodes prior to this one, we positioned Mr. Bradley as the newer looser uh, headmaster, Mm. kind of one that's more about bending the rules, and Miss Mahoney is the traditionalist. Mm. So it's weird that they've kind of changed roles a little bit, that he's kind of being the one diehard. Based on the first, particularly the first episode, Mm. she would have been the one touting them, and he would have been the one going, but, you know, but without this little shift, we wouldn't have gotten this beautiful build-up to Mrs. Garrett asking if Mr... Garrett, uh, Mr. Bradley knows his IQ, which he does not. Right. And Mrs. Garrett does not either. And she says, let's find out now. So there's a sample test in here. We have a copy of the test. <laughs> and the audience eats that shit up. They yeah. love it. Yeah. And, um, and then Mr. Bradley tries to sit at a desk that's apparently too small for any of the <laughs> girls even. Because, I mean, what are, you, are they in a kindergarten class? I know. Do they have a kindergarten they, class at I know. East? He sits I down mean, and bumps it. I mean, you know, Mrs. Garrett sits. Like Mrs. Are, Mrs. Are, the girls are in high school. I know. They're, and in a future episode, I know at some point, I'm, I know at some point there's a class that he teaches and all of the girls are in the class. All of them. So it's like Tootie, who is supposed to be 12, but then you've got, you know, like the Blairs and probably... Um, Blair and Nancy, I think, and Sue Ann are probably the older ones. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're in the class. It's like, what class is being taught where you have this bizarre cross-section of ages at this prep school? And anyway, that's a future episode. I'm just (laughs) going to point out, no thought goes into it. But they do a a sight gag where he sits down and bumps his knees on the desk. And it's Mm -hmm. like, why is he sitting at a desk for a four-year-old? It's it's upsetting. I love, how, uh, I love how when they're taking the test, too, yeah, Mrs. It, Garrett is totally not writing. Yeah. I mean, she just like, scribble? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, I'm going to laugh and scribble. It's, I'm not, you're not even trying to it make is, it look like you're writing here. It is he so, starts erasing so crazily. He tears, I mean, uh, and the questions. The questions are, we, we are subjected to two sections. That one of them is a list of words and find the two that are most similar. Mm-hmm. And the other one is um, definitions. What is the meaning of this word? And it's like, okay, I took the SATs. 
the SATs have um, an, is it not analogies? What are, is it? Analogies? What's, sure. Are they all the, the, analogies this, or synonyms or yeah, synonym, but it's you know um, you know ball is to throw yes or as, uh, sim- similes or yeah simile and things like that I mean that's what the SATs were um, as far as that goes and um, so these are very I'm I'm fairly sure these are not actual IQ tests. Mm. Questions. I'm fairly sure. About. Uh, yeah, I mean they, they they and that's the other thing. If you, if they are IQ tests, you're talking about. Um, uh, advanced vocabulary, which is not something that's uh, that would, that, that's that's a that's an that's an that's something that comes with age and education. Yeah, not uh, yeah. IQ. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah, so, and, and it implies uh, if you yeah. study for it. It implies yeah. if you study, it's just yeah. So they're knowledge. like screwing up their own message here in saying that yeah, uh, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. And um, yeah, so while they're taking the test, it's him versus her, male versus female, uh, authority versus non-authority, that type of thing. But it gets so broad and cartoonish. Oh. Every answer, she's all, oh, this is easy. And she's turning back and goading him because mm-hmm. the test is supposedly coming so easily to her. But you're right. She's just wiggling her pencil on the paper that she's not looking at. That's all she's doing. And then he is trying to, and then he's getting all disheveled and loosening his tie. And all, it's going to peek on her yeah. test score. And, I got to look and see. And, and blatantly tries like, to look on her what? page. It's like, you, you know we can see you, dude, yeah. right? <laughs> you know we can see you. Anyhow, and what is the meaning? Well, the whole thing is, see, these tests don't mean a thing. And he buckled just like the girls did. Well, yeah, I mean, and then and then that is kind of like, you know, I, I said at the beginning, the moral of it is is mm-hmm. the, these you IQ tests are meaningless and that IQ tests don't really tell you how smart you are. But the true moral of the episode mm-hmm. comes from, of course... Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett. She's got to wrap it all up you for us. You can't live life by the numbers. You can't. You can't live no. life by the numbers, Girl. Mrs. Garrett says. She is so right. So profound. She is. It, it wraps it all up and then realizes, um, oh, oh, and uh, I'm sorry, before the test is taken, Mrs. Miss Mahoney does say, no one has been, a, I'm quoting, I wrote this down. No one has been able to prove what a person can accomplish based upon their IQ, that there is no correlation, right. no evidence of correlation to, oh, Barack Obama has a high IQ. The man sweeping up the trash on well, the street I has mean, a low I mean, IQ. I guess it makes sense. I mean, you think about Barack Obama. Yeah. And then Donald Trump. And, and how Donald um, Trump. And who's, how, who is and that? how you could be a, 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 a brilliant, mm-hmm. self-made, incredible individual. Um, constitutional or scholar. You could be, attorney or, and yeah, constitutional scholar. Or you could be a human piece of garbage. <laughs> and you still have the same opportunity uh, yeah. to be president of the United States. Yeah. Well, as long as you're a human piece of garbage that inherited... $451 million, I think is what they actually said, not $1 wow. million. Uh, but anyway, this, I, I digress. Oh, it turned political. I digress. But yeah, maybe. Anyone if anyone sees, with $451 million okay. can achieve anything. All right. To all the tooties out there hearing this show, mm-hmm. if you can find Barack Obama's IQ score and Donald Trump's IQ score on the coffee table, please write it. Send me a message. Send it to the email address. I have the highest IQ. We're the best IQ. <laughs> I have the greatest. I have all the IQs I've ever been. My IQ is 140 kabillion. 
Um, yeah, let's not go there. Let's just not go there. <laughs> um, so the, to the, the show's credit, the only time they get even close to the actual meat of the matter is no one has been able to prove what a person can accomplish. And I vaguely, I do remember there being a time when I feel like they might have been in pop culture. Like there was this wave of something of talk of IQ. It might have been just like, you know, an educational fad yeah, that came about sure. in our childhood. And people, I do feel like there was a time people were talking about them more. Mm-hmm. And that's what this could be a result of. Because uh, you, you don't hear them spoken about now. It's everything is about the, the grades, no. the grades of the school and oh, yeah. the new math and all that crazy are. <laughs> Let's not get into our education system. Um, <laughs> but the deal is, uh, oh, and I think Charlotte Ray flubs a line at the end of this episode. So Mr. Bradley, Mr. Bradley says, well, if I could have a chance to take the test again, I'm sure I would do a little better. And Mrs. Garrett says, oh, the same way you're going to let the girls take their midterms exam again? She says, midterms <laughs> exam. And right, right, right. I'm thinking, I bet you that was a flub and no one caught it and they didn't do it. Or nobody shoot. cared. <laughs> no, it was Mrs. Garrett. At this point, they're like... Yeah. And then at the end, well, the girls see the light. And they're Me friends too. again. They are. And of they course the, they are. And they're going to take the midterms again. Mm-hmm. And again, midterm exams are this described as this singular thing as opposed to it, midterm exams are multiple exams in multiple subject matters. Of course. Yeah, there's not one midterm exam. Yeah, and they failed all of them. And they're right. going to take all of them over at 3 o'clock for some right. reason. Anyway, but they walk out of the classroom arm in arm and they're friends again. And all is right at Eastland School. It, it was beautiful. <sighs> I cried a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, indeed. It was uh, quite, quite special. But um, the show does advance as it goes on. It gets more into issueier issues. Uh-huh, definitely. This is, um, like I've said, everyone, season one, you are welcome to come back on a subsequent season when the show starts to get better. Yeah, bring me back when it's good. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you some. You said you like Joe. Bring me back when Joe? Cindy's gone. Yeah, get rid of <laughs> I liked Joe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, Joe, Blair, Tootie, Natalie. I yeah. mean, that's they were They were it. That's it. Fantastic Four. And, and the weird discovery that um, a lot of people don't realize is you realize this show was on for eight years. The show that we think of, The Facts of Life, in the cafeteria with Blair, Joe, Tootie, mm-hmm. Natalie, that's only three of the seasons. That How much? Only three of the seasons. So Joe comes on. I know Joe comes on when they're still with, with a lot of the. With there's yeah. still there, there was the transition period. There's still, unfortunately, Sue Ann. Yeah, um, we we get a little some, we get a little bit of them in season two just to kind of right. wean, wean us off of them, right? And to at least give us the sense that there are other girls, but they're basically relegated extras who are like you know eating in the cafeteria while the girls have to work right i think molly has a line like god it really is tough to see you know like blair it's so hard to see you having to work like this and blair just (laughs) being all upset but yeah the eastland school cafeteria okay we were watching season one seasons two three and four are the cafeteria seasons five and six are Edna's Edibles. Right, right, right. I remember, yes. And then George Clooney and comes George in. Clooney That's when comes George Clooney debuts. Seven of course, and eight. Of course. And season seven and eight are over our heads when it's, it becomes a Spencer's Gifts and we have Cloris Leachman instead of Charlotte Ray. Mm, mm. So it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's weird to think. I of want this. to come back for the chorus Leachman years. You want to? No, oh. I don't know. I don't know if anyone wants to. I don't know if anybody can make it that far. That final. I don't season. know if you'll survive that long. The final. I mean, season. you really have your work cut out for you, David. I, you are. I don't know what uh, you're going to have thinking. to get through the entire series. I. I have 26 been twenty six episodes each season. <laughs> Mike. Twenty six <laughs> episodes of Chorus Leachman. I mean, okay. You my are anxiety levels shit. are already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does occur to me. And this this podcast has been in gestation for the better part of a year. And one of the things of the little things just to get out of the way and lay the foundation and all that stuff, but the, the last piece of the puzzle of actually getting friends here and recording and actually creating the content, the thing I've been putting off is like, oh, God, once I start, I'm in. I'm in this, dude. Yeah, you are. Yep. I may take a. I'm, I'm warning you now. I may take a break between seasons. I may take a little sure, summer break. Sure, of course. But when no, I come back, you can't take a Game of Thrones style break and go like three, se- oh, three I, years without ooh, a season or anything. But I'm into it. I'm into it. George R. R. Don't do it. <laughs> Well, three we'll see. years if of this, having HBO without a yeah. You know, oh, I, 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 I work with many Game of Thrones fans. So, okay, final uh, word is I tend to ask people, what are you into on television right now? Name a show that you're really into and excited about. Uh, you know, I just binge watched Atlanta. Uh, absolutely love that show. Atlanta. Donald Glover. Oh, the Donald, yeah, Donald Glover show. It's supposed oh, to be great. Oh my God, it is amazing. It's, uh, they're all, they're all short episodes. So they're all like, uh, you know, half an hour mm-hmm. uh, episodes. Um, and there's only 10 of them. Yeah. Uh, but they, it's a, you'll fly through it, yeah. but it is absolutely worth an evening to just yeah. like smart, it's it's weird. It's funny. It's uh, um, gritty and 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 real, but also just like silly and. Fu- I mean, it's really kind of. It's there's there's great dramatic arcs with the characters. There's an amazing episode that mm-hmm. is like a complete departure from the series. So the so it's it's basically like you're watching a show within the show oh. on. Their 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 version of BET, which is B A N, um, and the show is Montague, and it's a talk show. And one of the characters, Paperboy, the rapper, is on the show oh, okay. as a guest. But then they have the commercials and the seg uh, the segment and and I like love stuff and like it's that. and it's so brilliant. It's just like I've watched that episode three times. It's a standalone thing. It's like episode seven or something. So it's completely standalone. But um, yeah, I I, loved I I I loved Atlanta. Um, I loved Ozark. Okay, I haven't uh, watched that either. Again, too much content. Um, Really dig, dig. Yeah, too much content. yeah, uh, Castle Rock. Castle Rock is okay. Uh, I really like that. I'm on his Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, very. I mean, it's kind of a diverse. Uh, offering of things, Atlanta, uh, a much more of a kind of a, a comedy relationship comedy, but yeah. with this with this biting political satire edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ozark, which is much more of a, a thriller, mm-hmm. um, a crime thriller yeah. series, and then and then Castle Rock, which, which is, is uh, yeah, it's horror, horror suspense. suspense. Yeah, That's so cool. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah, I you like to mix it up. I do. Yeah, nice, that's what yeah. I'm digging. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, my this pleasure. Has been fun. I Thanks hope you had me. fun doing I it. I hope you might come back. I would love to. That's great. Well, this was Mike Marinaccio, and we're going to go bye-bye now. All right. Bye, everybody. And there you have it. Mike is a sweetie. I love him. I'm very honored he made the time to sit down with me and chat for this 
little podcast of mine. And I have to thank him for amplifying my already high level of freaking out that I'm committing to watching all nine seasons of this show. So thanks. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening to Let's Face the Facts. The show was produced, edited, narrated, and hosted by me, David Almeida. Please spread the word about the show. Share, subscribe, rate, review, visit the website. Uh, You can find other information and supplemental stuff about the episode on the website. You can send me an email and uh, follow and comment on social media. Everywhere you will find it under Face the Facts Pod. Not Let's Face the Facts Pod. You got to drop the let's from the beginning because I couldn't get that. So everywhere, Face the Facts Pod. Don't make me say it again. Next week, I'll be watching and discussing Season 1, Episode 5, Overachieving. Thank you so much for listening to this show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. (laughs) 